morning, Orchard Church. I feel like after watching that video, we should just have a word of prayer for our Rockies right now. Not a real great start to the second half. We're going to forget these last two games. Hey, take out your Bibles this morning, your mobile devices, whichever you choose to use. Hopefully, you can follow right along with the scriptures. Go to Mark chapter 14, verse 3. Mark 14, 3. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. If you want to follow along, if you've got an app and you can pull up your uh, translations. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay too. We'll put some verses on the screen to follow along this morning. We are in week two of our new series. It's a three-part series that we're calling Game Changing Prayers. And as I told you last week, I'm excited about this series because this series has the potential to change the trajectory of our lives, of our marriages, of our families. I truly believe that some of you are going to look back on this message series and one of these prayers and say, that was a game changer. That's when things turned around. But because these are game-changing prayers, I'll tell you, they're challenging prayers. They're not easy. They're not generic prayers. They're not predictable prayers. Last week, we talked about praying the prayer, search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me, uh, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And if you're willing to pray that prayer, listen to God answer and apply that, that can be a game changer in your life. And a lot of you have been praying that all, all week long. I really appreciate all the Facebook posts, people putting the prayers on there. Uh, some of you emailed me and texted me and said, man, last week's message really spoke to my heart. God is already showing me some things. I have one lady, she said, I love last week's week's message is exactly what I needed to hear, and I'm excited for the rest of this series, but I'm also a little scared to death because these are game-changing prayers. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Say, I, I'm excited, but I'm a little nervous with some of these prayers. Um, our third week, we're going to look at, we're going to talk about the prayer, send me, God. Send me. My life is not mine. It's yours. It's a blank check. You can do whatever you want with my life. That's a game-changing prayer. But this week, this is the toughest one of all. This is the scariest. This is the hardest prayer of all. I'll just tell you right now, as we're going to talk about praying a game-changing prayer today, break me, God. Break me. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I hear something like break me, um, it takes me back to my senior year of high school in 1985 to this famous scene. I must break you. How many of y'all remember that? Rocky IV, in my opinion, the best of all the Rockies movies. For you young kids in here that don't know what that movie is, make sure your parents show you the Rocky movies. Some of them you can skip. You know, don't go past four. The rest are kind of stinky. But uh, Rocky, you can, I don't think you could truly be an American citizen without watching Rocky IV, where he defeats, you know, Ivan Drago, the, the Russian. And he's, you know, he's like, break me. He's like, I'm going to break you. And I remember that scene. But we're, we're talking about praying a prayer that asks God to do that in, in our life. That's a little scary. That's a little tough. And I, I want to warn you this morning, uh, right off the bat, some of you are not going to like this prayer. You're not going to like this message. Some of you are going to disagree with praying this prayer, and that's okay. You can still love Jesus and disagree with this message today. It's, it's, this is not popular to pray a prayer, a game-changing prayer that says, God, break me. It's, it's not a feel-good message. This doesn't feel good. And this message is definitely not consistent with the God will always make your life better version of Christianity. It's not consistent with that. But here's, now some of y'all are like, okay, I'm leaving right now. I'm bolting for the door. And you're ready to get up and just run. Please don't. Because even though this is a game-changing prayer, it's a scary prayer, it's a tough prayer, it's a difficult prayer, I absolutely believe it has the power to change your life. I really do. And I've seen this and I've experienced this in my life and I've seen it in the life of others. When, when I was a young man, I'm no longer a young man, I'm an older young man, but when I was a young, young man... And I was thinking and praying about going into ministry. 
And then I told some people in my life that I, I feel like God may one day even call me to plant a church. This was like 27 years ago. And I had several different pastors and ministers that would say something like this. Well, you know, Doug, you, you need to understand, if you're going to go into full-time vocational ministry, you're going to be a pastor, you're going to be a preacher, if you're going to plant a church someday, there's one thing I can promise you and I can guarantee. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm all excited thinking they're going to say, it's going to be the greatest adventure of your life. Your God's going to use you in ways you could have never imagined. And this is what I heard several different times. If you go into ministry, if you plant a church someday, be ready. God will break you. Well, crap. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to sign up for that. And the truth is, he has. He has. But God has done some amazing things on the other side of brokenness. And, and, and like myself, some of you, when I heard that the first time, I, I asked myself, well, how do I know if I've been broken? Some of you this morning may be like, how do I know if I've been broken? Here's what I've learned in my life. You know when you've been broken when you don't have to ask. When you don't have to ask if you've been broken, you know you've been broken. But God can do some amazing things on the other side of brokenness. I, I can point to two times in my life that I can say for sure those were times that I knew that I was, I was broken. One of those times, I've shared this story before, so I'm not going to go into all the details, but when I was pastoring my first church in Indiana, I pastored there for about six years. And when I, it was my first you know, pastorate, I was 30 years old. I didn't really know what I was doing. I basically took over for a church that was about 60 years old. It was steeped in tradition, some legalism. And I, what I noticed was, because my heart is evangelism, and God gave me the gift of evangelism, and I mean, I need to see people coming to Christ and lives being changed, and that wasn't happening. And I knew that in order for us to be relevant with our community and reach unchurched people and reach unsaved people and reach the next generations, our method or our message did not need to change. We would never change our message or our mission, but our methods need to change. If you're with me, say yes. And so I started trying to make some of those changes, and some of the younger people in the church loved it, and some of the people that weren't so younger did not love it at all. As a matter of fact, they hated it, and to make a long story short, uh, some of them staged a coup against me and my wife and my family and basically kind of ran us off, and people that we thought were our friends and, and, and like family to us um, told lies about us, stabbed us in the back, betrayed us, and it left me and my wife and two young children at a place of brokenness. We didn't know what God was going to do with our life. I even questioned, am I even supposed to be in the ministry? Am I even supposed to be a pastor? But that was about 14 years ago. And during that time of brokenness and getting alone with the Lord and searching for his will and plan for my life, it was out of that brokenness that we moved to Colorado and we planted Orchard Church. It would have never happened. Had we not go, gone through that time of brokenness? I, I couldn't imagine at that time that God would take something so painful and do something so amazing and so beautiful and trade beauty for ashes here at Orchard Church and in, in our life. And I thought that when I went through that, I knew I was broken. Shelly, we, we knew we were broken. And I thought, okay, whoo, I know I've been broken now. I get to check that off of my Christian to-do list and never face that again. Wrong. And there was another time of brokenness that I'll share with you in just a little bit. Praying, being willing to pray this game-changing prayer, prayer, God, break me, believing that he could do something beautiful and amazing and unimaginable on the other side uh, of brokenness. And I want us to this morning look at three stories in the Bible that are pictures of brokenness. 
And we're going to start in, in Mark chapter 14, verse 3. And these, these are pictures of brokenness so we can understand what it means to pray this prayer, God, break me. Two of these stories are found in the same gospel, in the gospel of Mark, kind of back to back. I hope you'll take some notes this morning on the back of your newsletter. Uh, the first of these three pictures is a story of a woman's brokenness. The story of a woman's brokenness in Mark chapter 14, uh, verse 3. And before I read it, let me give you the context. Um, the gospel of Luke, Luke also talks about this same story, but he gives some more details about this story, and he lets us know that this woman, many scholars believe this woman that is in this story uh, was a prostitute. Now, let me just help you guys with this. Uh, during Jesus' time, um, no girls you know, grew up and said, well, you know, by the time I'm 21, I want to be in the top 10 prostitutes in my community. No, nobody wanted that. But usually, you know, maybe a guy left her and, and, and bailed on her or something happened in her life. Something caused her to have to go into this profession because she had no other choice. We don't know the details. But, but this would have brought great shame in her life. Uh, in, in, being a prostitute in Jesus' day, she would have been hated by women. She would have been abused by men. It was a very difficult thing. But one day a man showed up. And treated her differently than any men had ever treated her life. He, he treated her with respect. He treated her with love. He treated her with honor. He treated her with dignity. And this man's name was Jesus. Jesus loved her. And Jesus forgave her. And so she shows up at a house in Bethany one day where Jesus is at. And she wants to pour out her love and appreciation and worship upon Jesus. And that's the scene that I want to take us to this morning. In Mark chapter 14, verse 3. And it says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. And while he was eating, a woman came in, this prostitute woman. And so here you have Jesus, this rabbi who's in a home in Bethany with Simon, the once had leprosy. Many believe that Jesus probably healed this guy of leprosy, so he's inviting Jesus over for a meal, and you have this prostitute. So you have a rabbi, a leper, and a prostitute. And they walk into a bar. No, it's just... It's what it sounds like, right? You got these three, this, this rabbi Jesus and, and the leper, the prostitute, and, and they're in the house in Bethany, and watch what this woman does. It says, she came with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. Now, I, I don't know if any of you ladies, like, you know, on your, your wish list for your birthday or Christmas anniversary, say, uh, you know, honey, could you get me an expensive bottle of nard perfume? I mean, that kind of sounds like lard. But this, this nard, some versions of your Bible, it's called spike nard. It was a very costly, expensive perfume. And... What she's going to do is she's going to pour this out on Jesus. What she probably didn't realize, because she was doing this out of love and admiration and appreciation and worship, but most scholars believe that also this was a picture that because Spikner was used in anointing for burial, and this is just before Jesus is going to be crucified, buried, and rise again. So there's some beautiful pictures happening in this story, but it was very personal to her as she is pouring out everything she has up on Jesus with this expensive perfume, as we're going to see in this story, this perfume, how expensive was it? It was worth a year's wages. So this is like a $40,000, $50,000 today bottle of perfume. But what, don't miss this because in this bottle of perfume, this, was, this represented her livelihood and her profession because the average woman could not afford this kind of expensive perfume. But for a prostitute, she would wear this perfume, not just so she could, you know, smell nice, but whenever a guy would walk by and he would smell this perfume, he's like, oh, 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 it's an invitation. It was like a calling card. 
That's what was represented in this bottle of expensive perfume. Now watch what she does with this expensive bottle of perfume. It says, and let's say it together, church. She broke open. Everybody say broke open. She broke open the jar and let's say it together. She poured the perfume over his head. She broke it and she poured it upon his head. Now, there were some other people in this house that were gathered there. How did they respond to her breaking open and pouring out this expensive bottle of perfume on Jesus' head? It says some of those at the table were indignant. That word in the original Greek means they were ticked off. All right? They were, they, they were, they, I was going to say something else, but I'm going to clean that up, okay? You get the idea. They were mad. And, and they say, why waste such expensive perfume? I mean, in my mind, I imagine this scene. It's like a movie scene in slow motion. No, don't do that. Why would you waste such expensive perfume, they ask? It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. They're getting all spiritual. I wonder if some of the guys there were customers and they were worried that she was getting out of the business. I'm just wondering. I don't know. And so they scolded her harshly. Why are you doing this? Why are you breaking this open and pouring all this expensive perfume on Jesus' head? Well, Jesus responds to their response. And watch what he says. Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a, say it together, church, good thing to me? Such a good thing, such a beautiful thing, such an amazing thing. Jump down to verse 9. He says this, I tell you the truth, wherever the good news of the gospel is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. And here we are, Orchard Church, 2017, 2,000 years later, and what are we doing? We're remembering this act of worship, and we're discussing it today. And what are we remembering, and what are we discussing the fact that in the act of worship, she broke open and poured out everything she had upon the head of Jesus. She was in this act saying, you can have my life, you can have everything I have, everything I am, broken and poured out. Broken and poured out. You have this in your notes. Her gift represented two things. What she was expressing outwardly was the feeling of what was going on, I believe, inwardly inside of her. Her gift first represented her past. She was saying, I'm leaving my past sinful life of prostitution behind. I'm getting rid of all of it. The second thing her gift represented was her future. This was her savings. This was her future. This was her provision. She said, I'm pouring it all out. I'm breaking it. I'm pouring it open. And I'm trusting in Jesus from now on as, as an act of faith. And Jesus responds to this beautiful act of worship, and he says, this is good, this is beautiful, as she has broken this and poured it out in one selfless, extravagant act of worship upon Jesus, broken and poured out, broken and poured out. The second story is right after this story in the same chapter in Mark chapter 14, look at verse 22, and this is the story and the picture of Jesus and his brokenness for us, Jesus and his brokenness. And this is a pretty familiar story if you've been around church at all. This is where Jesus is gathered in the upper room with his disciples, having what we know now as the Last Supper. It was the Passover meal that he would turn into what we know today as communion. If you're with me, say yes. yes. But watch what happens and listen to the words. Some of you that have been in church your entire life are about to see something you've never seen before because I saw it for the first time just recently. And it says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. And then he, say it, church, broke it 
in pieces, and he gave it to the disciples, saying, Take eat, for this is my body. He says, From now on, when you break this bread, it's a picture of my body. And he took a cup of wine, and he gave thanks to God for it, and he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood. This wine, this cup represents my blood now, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is, say it, church, poured out, broken, and poured out. Broken and poured out is poured out as a sacrifice. Just like the woman made a sacrifice, Jesus is going to make a sacrifice. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many, for many, broken and poured out. Jesus is going to give himself as a sacrifice in worship to God to save us. In Luke chapter 22, verse 19, the gospel of Luke records the same thing, but he adds something that I don't want you to miss. In Luke 29, uh, 22, 19, we'll put it on the screen. It says this, Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks for it. And then he broke it in pieces and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Let's say it together, church. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this. Do what? Break bread. Drink of the cup to remember Christ's sacrifice, his body and his blood we know today as the Lord's Supper or communion. Tonight, we're going to do this. We have night of worship tonight, and we're going to come together, and we're going to sing some amazing worship songs together, and part of the worship service is we're going to do this. We're going to do this, and I hope you'll be back tonight and be a part of this uh, wonderful worship service as a church family, and we get to do this. Have communion, break bread, take of the cup to remember his body and blood, but don't miss this, Orchard Church. Don't miss this. Many scholars believe that when Jesus said, do this, that it meant more than just that. Some of y'all looking at me like, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> That's for my generation. Do this means more than just that. It means more when Jesus said, do this. It means more than just break this bread to remember my body and drink this cup that is poured out to remember my blood. When he said, do this, it's not just an act of worship that we do with these symbols and pictures, but that we live a life every day broken and poured out for Jesus as a living sacrifice and an act of worship. I hope that tonight is not the only time that we do this, but that we Monday morning wake up and say, I'm going to do this with my life today. I'm going to be broken and poured out as a sacrifice for the one who sacrificed and gave everything to save me. It, I believe this is what Paul had in mind in Romans chapter 12 when he said this, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to what, church? Worship him. This is truly the way to worship him, broken and poured out, not just as an act of remembrance, but something that we live out every day as an act of worship. And being willing to pray and have a heart attitude prayer, God break me. I'm willing to be broken and poured out as a sacrifice to you. I want to share a story of brokenness. I've shared before at Orchard Church. I'm sure I'll share it many times again because it was a game-changing moment in the life of our church that we experienced about eight years ago seven, eight years ago. And, and I want to share a portion of this story that I've never shared before that relates to what we're talking about today. When Shelly and I moved here with our two children 12 years ago on a step of faith to plant Orchard Church, never have lived here, didn't know anyone here, it was a total step of faith, 
12 years ago. And as a matter of fact, last week marked the 12th anniversary that we moved to Colorado to plant Orchard Church last week. Can we praise God for that? Amen. Amen. And, you know, we didn't know anybody. So we just, we lived in an apartment for about eight months and we started inviting people that we met in our apartment complex to come to a Bible study. And we were hosting some different social events in the clubhouse. We, we had pancake breakfast and barbecue to meet people and get to know people, invite them to come. And, and I'll never forget that one Saturday morning, uh, we had a, a pancake breakfast and we were wrapping it up and we we're trying to, to get out of there kind of quickly because our son, who's 21 now, but he was uh, like nine years old at the time, he was playing flag football. And so we were trying to get to his flag football game. And so we were wrapping up a little bit early and, and, and people had left, most of the people that we gave pancakes to. And this young man walked in to the clubhouse, the apartment complex, and he's like, I smell pancakes. And I said, yeah, I said, we do this once a month. I said, we're just kind of wrapping up. And he's like, oh man, I'd, I'd love some pancakes. And my flesh wanted to get to the very important flag football game. But I'm telling you, God is my witness. The Spirit of God in me said, give this guy some pancakes. This is a divine appointment. I had no idea the divine appointment that that relationship would evolve into over the years to come. Gave the guy some pancakes. We hit it off. Found out that he was an airline pilot here. He'd been transferred here to Denver. Um, he didn't know anybody like us. We became instant friends. Um, they had two young children, a third child on the way. Uh, his name was Jamie Johnson and Gabrielle Johnson. This is a picture of uh, Jamie and Gabrielle. This was when they went on a mission trip, our first mission trip as a church, and we went to the Philippines, and they went with us. And Jamie had uh, accepted Christ as a teenager, but really had not followed the Lord, wasn't in church, wasn't growing in his faith. And Gabrielle came from an unsaved home. She, they didn't go to church. She believed in God, but she didn't know Jesus. I remember the night that I had the privilege to lead uh, Gabrielle to Christ in our uh, kitchen at the, at the table. She accepted Christ. Uh, I discipled Jamie. Uh, my wife discipled Gabrielle. We called her Gabe. They grew leaps and bounds in their faith. Um, they were so involved here at Orchard Church. I mean, they served in every area. I mean, Jamie and I, the first few years, we were the setup and tear down team. You know, I played the drums and then I would preach and we would set up and we would tear down. And Gabrielle worked with the children and Jamie ran the sound. I mean, we just fell in love with They became part of our, our family. We were there for the birth of their ch third child. I mean, we were right there like moments after she was born. And they were so dear to us and so special to us. And we saw them just, just grow in amazing ways in their faith. And Gabrielle gave, when she accepted Christ, you know, the Bible says that God gives us spiritual gifts, and he gave her the gift of evangelism, the gift to share Christ with her friends. And man, she was always inviting people to church in her community, all of her friends and family back in Minnesota, none of them knew Jesus. She was always telling us, pray for my mom, pray for my dad, pray for my friends, pray for my cousins. She's like, I want to see, I want them to experience what I've experienced, how Jesus has changed my life. And man, they were like family to us. And I, uh, this is the part I've never shared before. And Jamie reminded me of this not long ago. Jamie was growing in his faith and he got to a point and I remember he said, you know, Doug, I feel like I've kind of hit a wall. I've kind of stalled out. I believe God has something greater for me, more for me, but I, I don't know what it's going to take to get there. And I, I said to Jamie, I said, well, you know, what I've seen and learned in my life is sometimes it takes a trial. It takes something difficult. I don't know if I used the word broken, but that was the idea. And I, and I said, you know, and he goes, well, you know, that scares me, but I'm open to whatever God has in my life. 
and it was just a couple of months after that that I got one of the most devastating phone calls that I have ever received in my life. It was a Wednesday morning. It was February 25th, 2009. And a police officer called me and said, do you know Gabrielle Johnson? I said, yes, I'm her, I'm her pastor. And he said, well, can you please come over to the house? There's something wrong with her. And that's all he told me. Jamie was still an airline pilot. He was off on a two-day trip. He was gone. She had went to bed watching a movie on her couch, and she never woke up, and she died in her sleep. 32 years of age, three young children. I had to then call Jamie. He was uh, stationed out in Nebraska. He, he flew back in. He was in uh, Platte, Nebraska, I think, North Platte. And I, I, I said, listen, we got to meet. I, I told him what I could, and, and then he, he finally, he just knew. He's like, did something happen to Gabe? And I said, yeah. And I had to tell him. And so he drove in his truck, and I, I got him in, in my car, my truck, and I, I drove, and I, I met him up in Johnstown. I'll never forget the place. Every time I pass it to this day, there's a gas station. And I got to that gas station. I said, just stay there. I'll, I'll meet you there, and I'll drive you the rest of the way. And I met him up there in Johnstown. I, I get to the gas station, and I see his truck, but I don't see Jamie. And I'm looking around, and I look out in the field, and Jamie's in the middle of this field just walking around. And I go out to the field, and I run out there to him. And we embrace, and we both just fell to the ground, weeping and sobbing uncontrollably. It was devastating. He was broken. We were broken. They did a full autopsy. To this day, no explanation. God just took her. We, we, don't, we don't know any more than that. And Jamie got, you know, we, we got him through that time. We prayed for him. We came together as a church family. It was a couple of years later that uh, Jamie met a wonderful, godly Christian woman. She'd, she'd never been married before. I met right here, I think, here at Orchard Church. Um, they ended up getting married. Uh, they've gone on to have another child. Um, last summer, when I was in Texas, I had an opportunity to catch up with Jamie. It had been several years. We had talked. But we hadn't seen each other. And this is a picture of Jamie. And that's their new little girl. And those are the three grown kids now that sat in my living room. And I had to tell them that their mom is in heaven. And they're doing well. They're doing better than well. God has blessed them in amazing ways. And when I was there last summer, I took a drive with Jamie and I said, how often do you think about Gabe? And he said, not a day goes by that I don't think about her. And I said, how you doing? He goes, I'm healing little by little every day. I'm getting better. God's blessed me beyond what I ever could have imagined that there would be a blessing on the other side of brokenness. And he said, but I, I know that Gabe's okay. I know she's with Jesus I know she's better than she's ever been, and I know we'll see her again one day. But it was hard. It was one of the most difficult things I have ever been through, certainly the most difficult thing that Jamie had ever been through. But there was beauty on the other side of that brokenness. God has done amazing things. You have this in your notes, and I believe this to be true, that life's greatest breakings sometimes lead to God's greatest blessings. That, that life's greatest breakings sometimes lead to God's greatest blessings. And I know what some of you may be thinking, so somebody's got to die, somebody's got to pass away? Not necessarily. There's lots of different ways that God can allow brokenness to come into our life. Sometimes God allows us to be broken. Sometimes you know, we bring brokenness on ourselves. Sometimes life just happens, doesn't it, church? But God can do beautiful things with brokenness. I can tell you this, that when we went through that as a church you know, about eight, nine years ago. We went through that. At that time, we were one service, about two, three hundred people. 
And when we went through that with the Johnson family, that time of brokenness as a church, because everybody knew everybody at that time, that was when Orchard, I would point back to that as a game-changing moment in the life of Orchard Church. That's when Orchard Church went from a crowd to a church, to a church family, because it pulled us together. Because I've learned this, and I've said this many times, we may respect people for their strengths, but we relate to people through our weaknesses. Isn't that true? We may respect people for their, for their strengths, but we relate and we connect through weaknesses. You know, sometimes when, when someone has a strength, we're, we're like, oh, you know, that's really cool. That's neat that they can do that. Sometimes when people have a strength, we really don't even like them very much. You know, like, oh, man, she seems to always have it all together. Her first Facebook posts are always perfect. You know, I mean, I hate her. And then, yeah, she's so perfect. And then maybe she'll go through a trial or tribulation or trouble or something difficult. She'll have a problem. Oh, she's normal like me. Oh, her life sucks too. Oh, I love her. She's my best friend. You're awesome. Isn't that true? Because we respect people for their strengths, but we relate and we connect through our weaknesses. And I would say today, we respect people for their strengths, but we relate through brokenness. That's what brings people together. And it brought our church together. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I say it all the time. If you, most of you think back to a time in your life where you were the closest to the Lord and walking in, in the most intimate time and in relationship with Him, I bet you it'll take you to a time of brokenness. And that's when you were closer to God and you were closer to the family of God because we need each other. We have a ministry here at Orchard Church called Celebrate Recovery. It's an amazing ministry. It meets on Monday night. It's for people that have hurts, habits, and hangups. We all should sign up, Right? And, and man, the stories that we hear that come out of Celebrate Recovery uh, of the connectedness and the family and the relationships because those people have gone through brokenness together and then they're like lifelong friends because brokenness brings us together. We hear this in small groups. This is why it's so important to be in a small group here at Orchard Church that you can share life together. And when you go through times of trials and tribulations and brokenness that you know you're not alone. God didn't intend for there to be lone ranger Christians. Amen? We need each other, and that brokenness brings us together, and it connects us together. And let me encourage some of you, because some of you, you're going through a time of brokenness, maybe, right, right now in your life. And let me encourage you with this thought. God never wastes a hurt. Amen? God never wastes a hurt. And what I've seen is those that have been broken the deepest, God oftentimes uses the greatest. As he puts the pieces back together, as he does something beautiful. So why in the world would we ever want to pray a game-changing prayer like, God, break me so that he can make me into what he wants me to be? He can mold me because, God, because life's greatest breakings oftentimes lead to God's greatest blessings. We've seen this in the picture of a woman's brokenness. We've seen this in the picture of Jesus' brokenness. But I want to show you one more. It's in the life of, of David. If you want to turn with me uh, in your Bibles, turn to Psalm 51, 16. Psalm 51, uh, 16. And this is the story of David's brokenness. And let me give you the context of Psalm 51. David, this is David, the, the man after God's own heart, the man that you know, was so close to God, and yet David fell into sin. Remember one day he saw a lady named Bathsheba up on a roof and splish splash, she was taking a bath. And he decided to take it a little further and he slept with her. He committed adultery. And if that wasn't bad enough, the sin of adultery, he, to cover up his sin, he has Uriah, her husband, killed. So he commits adultery, he commits murder, and he's trying to get away with it, and then, but God doesn't let us get away with stuff, does he? God has a way of getting our attention. He sends a prophet named Nathan to talk to him, and it breaks him. 
and he realizes the sin and what he's done. But look at what beautiful thing God did out of this. In Psalm 51, 16, it says this. David is expressing what's going on, his brokenness to God. He says, you do not desire a sacrifice, God, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. He says, you, you don't want me to sacrifice an animal. Here's what you want. The sacrifice you desire is not a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is, they say it together, church, broken spirit. And you will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. He was broken in spirit over his sin. He was repentant over what he had done. But I love this. This is great news for so many of us. He says, but God, when I come to you with a broken spirit and repentant heart, you will not reject me. That is good news for all of us. Because no matter who you are or what you've done or how bad you think it is, if you will come to your God with a repentant and broken spirit, he will not reject you. Other people might reject you. The church might reject you. But we won't. We won't reject you. God won't reject you. Jesus won't reject you. The Bible says if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Amen? Are you thankful, Orchard Church, for that kind of God? If we come with a broken spirit and a repentant heart, and maybe for some of you uh, this morning, the, the prayer that you need to pray is, God, break me of some things. Break me of my pride. Break me of my addiction. Break me of my materialism. Break me of my lust. Break me of my insecurities. Break me of my fears. I know one I have to pray all the time is, God, break me of myself. If I just get myself out of the way and let you be at the forefront, everything goes so much smoother. It's a game-changing prayer to say, God, break me. Now listen, I know what some of you think, are thinking. You're thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to pray. This, this prayer isn't for me. Break me is not advanced Christianity. For monks, nuns, women with long skirts and buns in their hair. That's what some of you are thinking. You're like, oh, this is message for somebody else. This is advanced Christianity. No, this is Christianity 101. Because the gospel is an invitation to come and give your life to Jesus, the one who gave his life for you. It's the, an invitation to come and die and say, break me so then you can make me. Because Jesus said when you lose your life, that's when you really find it. It's a game-changing prayer. It's a, is it scary? Yes. Is it tough? Yes. But it can be a game-changing prayer in your marriage, in your family, and most importantly, your relationship with God. Now, how are we going to respond to this this morning? Some of you, you won't pray this prayer. And that's okay. Maybe, maybe you will at some point. It's okay. You can still love Jesus and not pray this prayer. It's okay. Some of you, you could come up here and you could preach this message because you're experiencing brokenness in your life right now. And this is really hitting home. And you need to know that there's blessings and beauty on the other side of brokenness. Some of you, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, God is preparing you. I don't know what for. You don't know what for. I don't know if it's next week, next month, next year but there's probably going to be something in your life that's going to bring you to a place of brokenness. And you need God. And, and we have two choices when we go through times of brokenness in our life. We can fight to keep it all together. That's what we do so often, isn't it? You know, when we feel like we're about to break and the life is, is falling apart, we, we try to do everything. We, hold it together. Keep it together. Hold it together. Can I encourage some of you, if that's you, just don't try to hold it together. Just fall on the rock, Jesus, and break. Just break. And then watch as your loving Savior graciously begins to put you back together one piece at a time. 
and make something beautiful out of something difficult. Because it's in those times of brokenness that we are, we are drawn to our God and our Lord and Savior. And we say, God, I need you. I can't do this without you. I need other Christians in my life. I need the Holy Spirit. I need your healing. I need your power. I need your strength. I need your love. I need your mercy. I need your grace. And he will be there for us. Amen, church? He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And whenever we go through times of trials and tribulation and brokenness, one of two things happens. We will either run from God or we will run to God. And I pray that you today will make a decision if you're going through brokenness or when you do, that you will run to him and not from him. We've seen these beautiful pictures of brokenness. The woman who brings an alabaster jar and she breaks it and she pours it out as an extravagant, selfless act of worship and she gives everything to Jesus. Jesus breaks the bread, reminding us of his body. He pours out the wine, reminding us of his blood to provide our salvation. And then he says to us, now you do the same thing. You do this. Not, not, not just communion, that's part of it, but you live a life of brokenness when being poured out. David, in the middle of his brokenness and sin, he offered a broken and repentant spirit to God and God loved him, forgave him, accepted him and continued to use him. Did you know that it was after his sin that God called him a man after his own heart? That's the grace and love and mercy of God. Let me just ask you, is there anything, let me ask all of us, is there anything that I, you, were holding back that it's time to be willing to pray a game-changing prayer to God and just say, you know what, God, I'm not holding this back any longer. Break me. Break me. My life is not my own. It's yours. And I believe that the life's greatest breakings can truly lead to God's greatest blessings. If it's a game-changing prayer. Father, I pray right now that your spirit and your word would collide in our hearts and that we would respond accordingly to what you're saying to each and every one of us today. As we continue to add to your prayer right now, I know this is tough. This is a tough message, man. This is one of the most difficult messages I've had to bring in, in, in a while, but it, it can be a game changer. And I know some of you, you're, you're all in. You're like, I'm willing to pray this game changing prayer. God bless you for that. God bless you. Others of you, maybe many of you, might be like, yeah, I'm not ready for that. that that's not for me. C can I ask you to at least be willing to do this? M just a step toward this prayer of God break me. I asked you last week, many of you, I said, pray this prayer. Search me, O oh God, know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, because God, I want to be right with you. And, and many of you prayed that prayer last week, and God revealed something. Would you be at least willing today to say, God, would you break me of that? whatever he revealed. If that's you today, you'd at least be willing to do that. Can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hand all across the auditorium? There's something I know that God is trying to break me of. Lift up your hands nice and high. God bless you. God bless you. Praise God. Hands everywhere. My hand's up with you guys. God's been speaking to me as well. Father, I pray that you would help us to be broken of whatever you point out in our life that needs to be made right with you. And believing that on the other side of brokenness, there's beauty and there's blessings. Do a powerful work in our life as we respond to your word and, and this incredibly challenging, game-changing prayer. As we continue in attitude of prayer right now, some of you this morning, you're, you're in a time of brokenness right now. I don't have to tell you that. You know that. And I, and I would love the privilege to just pray for you that in, in, in your time of brokenness, that God would encourage you, that he would lift you up, 
they would give you hope and that you would believe and trust that there are blessings and beauty on the other side of brokenness. Can I pray for some of you right now? Would you slip up your hand all across the auditorium? I'm going through a time of brokenness right now. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that you would be the God of all comfort you promised to be to those who right now are broken. I pray, God, that they would just let it go. They would stop trying to hold on and keep it together, that they would just fall on you, the rock, Jesus, and break and allow you to shape and mold their life and put it back together for your honor and your glory as an act of worship and for our good. Encourage them today that there's beauty and blessing on the other side of brokenness. As we continue in prayer, there's some of you that are here today and God may be allowing you to be broken, to get your attention, to bring you to Jesus, the one that was broken for you. And the most game-changing prayer that you could ever pray is the prayer of salvation, to invite Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior. Listen, I'm speaking to some of you right now. God is working in some of your hearts right now. If you've never prayed that game-changing prayer to personally, by faith, invite Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior, that's the first prayer. That's the most game-changing prayer of them all. Don't even worry about praying the other prayers we're talking about until you pray that prayer. And just like several people responded to that in the first service, I believe there's some of you today that that's what God's saying to you. It's time for you to say yes to Jesus. You you know about God, you know about Jesus, but he wants to know you personally and you can know him. If that's you, you know who you are. I want to lead you in a prayer of faith that you can pray from your heart to God's right now. Listen, it's not a magic prayer. It is not magic words. But if it truly comes from your heart and you believe it, you can say yes to Jesus today. It's a game-changing prayer. You know who you are. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this prayer with me right now where you sit just in the quietness of your seat? Would you pray this? It goes like this. Jesus, I'm calling on you today. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I want you. I need you in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for being broken for me. I say yes to you today. I say yes. So we continue an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you just prayed that prayer of faith, listen, that is the most important decision and prayer you'll ever pray in all of your life. It is a game changer. And I would love the privilege right now to pray for you that you would grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day forward because it's the greatest decision you could ever make. So I don't want to embarrass you or anything like that, but I'd like to pray for you. So right now, without hesitation, if you just prayed that prayer with me in a minute, would you slip up your hand all across the auditorium so I can remember you in prayer? God bless you. Two people over here. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. One, two, three people over here. God bless you. One, two over here. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, young man. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Several hands. If I didn't see your hand, God sees your heart. That's what matters. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for those putting their faith and trust in you to pray a game-changing prayer to say yes to you today, to invite you in as Lord and Savior. I pray that they would grow in their walk and relationship with you from this day forward. We welcome them today into the family of God as our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we get to look forward to being together for all eternity in heaven uh, with you. We celebrate their decision today, and we pray all this in Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. Can we celebrate decisions for Christ this morning? Amen. Amen.
Listen, very, very, very important. Please, please listen to me. If you just prayed that prayer and you raised your hand and I prayed for you, that's the most important decision you could ever make. And I'm gonna ask you to do this right now as your next step. Take out that, that connection card in your newsletter. Give me your name and your address. Drop that in the offering bucket when it comes by. Check that box that says, I accepted Christ because I wanna, we wanna continue to pray for you by name. We're gonna send you a little book called Seven Steps of Joy that'll just help you in your new walk and journey with Christ to get you started off right. If you are a first-time guest, thanks so much for being our guest here at Orchard Church this morning. Hopefully you filled out that guest connection card. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We are not interested in your money today, guests, but we're interested in you. And so we want to send you a thank you note, a free gift in the mail. Please let us know that you're here today as a guest. If you're new to Orchard and I haven't met you personally, I would love to do that. I'll be hanging out in the courtyard by the blue uh, New Here Start Here tent. So come by and introduce yourself uh, to me uh, this morning. Now, we got one more week of game-changing prayers, but it's going to actually take place in two weeks. Let me tell you why. And you do not want to miss next Sunday. This is going to be an awesome, exciting day here at Orchard Church. One of our very own missionaries, Luke and Kelly Lyons, family to the uh, Philippines, Manila, Philippines. We've been supporting them for many, many years at Orchard Church. Uh, they're going to be with us next Sunday, and Luke is going to give us an update of all the amazing things that God is doing in the Philippines as a direct result of Orchard Church. We have a feeding center that we fully support there. We planted a church there that we fully funded. We bought land for that church. He's got some exciting news. You guys have no idea idea what God has been doing through your generosity. You do not want to miss it as I interview Luke and he tells us how Orchard is making a difference on the other side of the world. That's exciting stuff. Amen. Don't miss it. That will be next week and then we'll wrap up Game Changing Prayers in two weeks. Let's stand as we close in a song of worship. We also have an opportunity to worship our Lord and Savior through our tithes and our offerings. Why? Because we want to be a church who gives first, saves second, and lives on the rest. I love you guys so much. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.